0: Welcome to the Brand Builders Love Podcast. I'm your host, Suze Chadwick, creator of Brand Builders Academy and the Amplify Accelerator. Right here on this podcast, we'll inspire you to become a bold and powerful voice in the world and claim your space with confidence. You can be bold and go against the grain to become the creative rebel you wanna be. Forget average, it's time to level up. Hey there lovely, hope you are doing well, hope that life is good, hope that you're having a great week, whatever's happening. I am going to do a really short intro because we've got a big juicy episode for you with the amazing Verity from Checklist Legal. I wanted to have Verity on, she was recently at our Speakers and Thought Leaders Retreat and she just speaks about contracts in such a easy way is how I would describe it. And so I wanted to have her on the podcast because I really think that it's important for us to be thinking about how we protect our business. And so she's been an amazing resource for me as well. And so today's episode, she's going to be able to go through different stages of your business and what kind of legal thinking and contracts and things that you need. Can you tell, like, my technical speak? The things. Have you got the things? (laughs) Oh, but listen, um, Verity makes it really simple. So I'm looking forward to sharing this episode with you. Let's dive in. Let's get started. I hope you enjoy it. And I hope that you get a lot out of it. Verity, welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast.
1: Suze, so, I am stoked to be here. Thank you so much
0: for having me along. You're so well- Stoked. It's such a stoked. I'm word.
1: showing my age now, are I?
0: <laughs> love it.
1: What am I supposed to say? Like I love it. Stoked
0: uh, kids- is Stoked is a great word. I love stoked. What we should the kids use it more. Say?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to check out Instagram and see what Flex Mummy's saying and <laughs> try That's and be world. cool as she is. She's so like, cool. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
0: So good. Listen, I am uh, excited to have you on the podcast today because we're talking legals, which I know that a lot of people are like, oh no, just because they don't know how to think about it, what to do, what's relevant. So that's what we're talking about today, how we can make legals easier for small businesses but before we dive in and hear your story and everything, I know that you've got a little fun disclaimer. Maybe I'll do some got elevator <laughs> music with, with it as well. You've
1: got to have a disclaimer, right? I wouldn't be much of a lawyer if I didn't have a disclaimer. And normally when I'm presenting to groups, I'll have a beautiful picture of my King Charles Cavalier Brinkley, the Prince of Elwood, to, for everyone to look at because he's super cute. Uh, but you know, this is general information. It's not tailored for you or your circumstances. So speak to an accountant, speak to your own legal advisor to make sure whether or not this is right for you. Um and that's it. That wasn't yeah. too
0: hard. No, easy. <laughs> and obviously if you need more help then then you should contact Verity as well. Yes, you so me too, yes. I know. That was very good of you. <laughs> okay, fantastic. So Verity, before we kick off, how did you get here? Oh my goodness. Uh, when you were like I, three or five, were you like one day I'm going to be like, a lawyer?
1: Yeah, I was just sketching out contracts, um, <laughs> in in exchange for pocket money. No, I so I actually came to the law later in life as a mature age student. I think I was like 24 or something when I kicked off. So it's not that old, really. But that felt so old at the time. Uh, and so I'd done a whole bunch of different things. I'd done some marketing. I'd done some radio. I'd done some publishing. I'd done a bit of travel. I was a carny for a little while traveling around. I, I did not whole,
0: know that. I did
1: a whole bunch of different things. Uh, and then uh, and I probably honestly should have just done law straight out. But I think <laughs> that having that background and actually have worked in a business, worked in an office, gave me a real insight when I was a, you know, formerly a professional lawyer. Uh, and so worked for 10 years in in-house, So that's like we're not a private practice lawyer, but for a company. So working for lots of different um, or a few different telecommunications companies. So that gave me a real uh, practical insight into the law and contracts. And I just started to notice when I was in charge of this is back when you had to, well, I suppose some people still do scan contracts and like get them signed and like tab them up and make sure people sign them with a pen and, you know, all of that stuff. I was like, this is ridiculous. There's got to be a better way than like scanning all these contracts in. And so it got me interested in electronic contracting. That got me interested in kind of contract design and the way that we can redesign information to make it clearer and faster. And initially it was all about productivity. Like I just wanted to be really quick because I wanted to work on other stuff But then I started exploring things like plain language and conscious contracting and just the impact that it can have relational contracting, values-led contracting. And so that's kind of got me to where I am now. It started off as a blog and I've turned it into a law firm, basically. So I get to be up to my elbows in contracts all day, every day, and I love it.
0: (laughs) I was just about to say, I think that would be some people's worst nightmare. What is it about it that you love? (laughs) Yeah. Why, like, why do you love it? Because it is a very, uh, detail orientated, very mm-hmm. document heavy, obviously type of job. What, what do you love about it?
1: Yeah. And I think it's when you understand how you know, cause business is all relationships. It's mm-hmm. all about just like everywhere you turn there's a relationship and in a lot of ways that's what contracts are they're agreements they it's relationships that you have and you know Brene Brown talks about clear is kind if you've got clear contracts then you've got kind contracts if you've got clear relationships then you've got really strong relationships I think and and it just it's it's that transparency that I love so I feel like it's something in there about a sense of fairness that I really like things to be fair and balanced Um, but yeah I just really like the idea that you can use contracts as an extension of yourself it's like an extra set of hands in your business it's nice for your clients to help them understand things. It's great for your team because they can answer questions. Like I just see it as a real multiplier, like a superpower in your business. If you can get them right, Mm -hmm. if you understand your contracts, it means you basically understand your business. So yeah, I think they're really powerful and like almost a secret weapon in a lot of ways.
0: I love that. If you can understand your contracts, you understand your business. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. And so if you don't understand your contracts, it means that there's something in your, you know, something under the hood that maybe you don't quite understand, or maybe there's something that in a template or that someone created for you, or that you copied and posted from someone else's <laughs> website where you're like, actually, I don't even know what that means. And if you don't know what it means, your clients don't know what it means. Your team doesn't know what it means. And so it's slowing your business down.
0: Awesome. And so a couple of things that I picked up on. So one of the things that you said was value-based or value-led yes. uh, contracts. What does that mean? So.
1: We all know about corporate values, the big kind of companies have them, they put them on a about page, often small businesses have them as well, we talk about our values that we have as a business. Mm. Then for some reason, when it comes to contracts, they kind of go out the door around negotiations or around positions that you take that might be really one-sided. A values-led contract actually looks at your business relationships and the documents that kind of capture those relationships from that values lens so that if you say you put clients first in your as your values and then all of your positions in your contract are all one-sided and like puts all the blame and risk onto your clients that's not really that's quite jarring Mm -hmm. Um, if you're a really brand-led business and you're really focused on that and then you've got this ugly Times New Roman slabs of text in your contracts that you don't understand but you expect your clients to just sign and be happy with that is kind of against your values of having that that seamless client experience. So when you can when you look at your I've actually started putting my values into contracts and working on that with clients as well putting their values into contracts like literally putting them in there uh, and using those as, as almost uh, a bit of a lens for other parts of the contracts. So it's both physically putting them in your documents, but then also having that balanced approach to your contracts and not just being like, oh, that's the legals. That's not really part of my business. That just kind of has to be this gross positional thing that I don't really understand. It's actually mm. part of your business. It's part of your values as a as a business and a business owner.
0: I love that. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, it does. It does make sense. And I also think because we do talk about values so much at the moment, where we want to be values aligned, like we want to have clients who feel aligned with our values. We want to be, you know, share our values externally so that we're really clear about how we want to be in our business and how we want to run our business as well. It totally makes sense that, our contracts also that embody that. Cause as you said, it is how we're, how we're conducting our relationships in a more formal way. So no, mm. I love that. And I don't know if you just said it, or it's, it's a question that I just had, but just around, you know, plain language. Mm. I think you said it earlier, like plain language, plain English, whatever yes. it is. How does that work as far as, you know, I guess, there's certain legal things that are in your contracts. Do they have to be said in a certain way or is there a lot of leeway around how you say it in a, in a more everyday language way?
1: Yeah. And, 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 classic lawyer answer it depends Ah. so uh, (laughs) so there's some things that you might want to say in a particular way there's some things that you could say in a particular way but then have almost like a little explainer underneath to explain what it means Um, and there's some things that you can take them and do almost what you will with them because contracts are uh your private your private law that's the law that you're setting up with your clients with your suppliers there's obviously the wider laws that apply Mm. you can't just say like oh it's okay to like not pay for things or whatever Um, then you can set up a lot of the the language that you want to have there's certain types of words that lawyers like to use indemnify is a good one that's kind of one that (laughs) trips people up a lot indemnity you're indemnifying us for this what it really means is pay for so you can simplify some of the language lawyers might argue that well there's some there's a meaning a, you know a secret special meaning to the word indemnify and that mean, and all lawyers know what it means so potentially that could be the case um, but but depending on how you're setting up that relationship if you say pay for it's actually more clear what you're mm. doing so that that way you can potentially rely on it um, more easily it also mm-hmm. means that hopefully it's less likely to be needed to be relied on because we're like oh I can't do that because if I do I have to pay for that thing as opposed mm-hmm. to I have to indemnify for that thing where mm-hmm. so I, I think it's um a lot of legal lawyers would like to say that there's some special magic legal potions like um you know petrificus totalis or something <laughs> that's gonna like do stuff uh, There is a little bit in there that it's quite an art and a science because there's a lot of history that comes Mm. with the way that certain words are put together. Uh, You just have to have a look at things like best efforts and reasonable efforts and best commercial efforts and all these different things that people look at. What does all these, all all these slight differences mean? So uh, that's why speaking in plain language, if you're clear, you're less likely to need to go to court in order to get a judge to tell you what that particular word means. So if it's clear and it's understood what it means, then you're less likely to have a dispute over it anyway. That's what I believe.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. And it makes total sense because you want to be able to read your contracts and understand what it is that it's saying and what, what you're agreeing to as well. So I think one of the biggest things for small businesses is not knowing where to start. So it feels like, oh, like not now, maybe when my business is bigger, maybe when I'm making more money, maybe when I get an employee, like there's all these caveats of Mm. not now, maybe later. So when should we start thinking about legal documents in our business?
1: Yeah, and I totally get it too because I'm a you know small business owner, and you do have to balance those different costs and the things that you need to get in place. Uh, one thing I would say is if you can find the right lawyer or you know accountant or anyone to work with, uh, that they will help you get your business set up for success. Mm. And often most lawyers will have. Chats, you know, free chats that you can have with them, so that you can get a sense of what they're like and kind of understand them, so you'll you'll know what you'll be what you'll be getting out of the relationship. So in terms of uh, when should you start thinking about it, there's a few things that you want to lock in, which we'll kind of talk about those legal adminy things. Mm. I think at a base level, if you're just getting started and you've got a low risk business, so low risk meaning you're um, not necessarily going to be dealing with, you know, like giving, I don't know, looking after children or building bridges or yeah. anything, anything <laughs> where you, you're you not kind of in a high risk situation, mm. if it's kind of that low to medium risk, then you might not necessarily need to talk to a lawyer straight away. You might not need to go over the top with, with contracts straight away. There's lots of good, you know, DIY templates. Um, I think there's a difference between putting your head in the sand and doing nothing versus actually being really engaged and, and, Doing your own research, you don't necessarily need to spend mega bucks in order to be engaged and understand what your rights and obligations are. Uh, I think the classic saying is, "If you think it's expensive to use a lawyer now, wait till you have to mm. use them to help fix up things." If you didn't get the trademark that you wanted, if you didn't get the domain name that you wanted, if you didn't have the protections in your contracts that you want, so when should you start thinking about legal docs in business? I think as soon as you have a big client, if you have a, if you're starting to um, look at, you know, co-founding relationships, there's certain triggers that would, you know, kind of tip you over to start thinking about, I need some professional advice in this area. Um, but, yeah, I would I would say have a chat. It's There's often, you know, often chances to have a free chat to just, Mm. run through those those core little items that you need to cover off just when you're getting started. Yeah. that was a
0: rambling long answer to your that's... simple question. <laughs> <laughs> it all made sense. I totally get it as well. And are there different stages where we have different level, levels of protection that we need as well? So I think this was just like I was saying before, it, mm. and I know that we're going to go through some of these yes. uh, contracts, which I'm excited to go through because when we talked about this, I thought that's such a great way to think about the contracts that we need, Uh, but do you, like, is there, is there a dollar amount or is it really just depending on the relationships that you want to, you, you have at that time in your business?
1: Yeah. So I think most, most businesses will start off as sole trader. You know, you're just starting, you're like, I'm excited. I'm going to do this thing. People keep telling me to help them with this thing and I'm going to charge money for it. Awesome. There's nothing wrong with getting started at that stage if you are thinking about co-founding with someone else, yeah. I think it's important, even if you are you know, just starting out, it's important to think about, even if it's just together, getting some of those dot points down and thinking about what will the structure of this look and feel like. Then as you start to earn more money, uh, then that's when you can start to hit some certain thresholds. So getting registered for GST, which is if you start earning revenue over $75,000, That's often a trigger for people to think about, oh, maybe I need to change my structure around. If you are wanting to build a business to sell, if you're wanting to build an asset, if you're wanting to protect your own assets, so there's uh, some differences between the way that a sole trader um, is set up, that's just you, it's not a different entity, whereas a proprietary limited company set up, that's a separate entity. So that provides you different types of, there's different risks associated mm-hmm. with being a director of a proprietary limited company, but it does give your assets some protection in, in different ways because people would sue the proprietary limited company, not you personally. Mm-hmm. So when you're starting to build up assets build up business, starting to take on maybe potentially bigger clients, that's the kind of triggers that I think about where, you know, I started my law firm with sole trader originally and then moved into proprietary limited. So it's kind of, you just kind of move along when you're ready and when when the time's right and take advice from accountants and and different other advisors. But um, those are the main stages, I would say, getting started, getting to GST and then thinking about building an asset. Oh, I've got something that I think is quite valuable here. I want to build it into an entity so that it's Mm. not just in my name necessarily.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So good. And so when we were talking about this episode as well, um, we were sort of talking about like what, how can we categorize different contracts that are relevant to the main elements that small businesses kind of focus on? So we're going to be talking about like revenue generating contracts or documents marketing legal supplier structure so i'm looking forward to going through these cuz i felt like that was a easier way for us to understand what sort of contracts we might need if we're doing this particular thing so when yes. it comes to revenue generation or marketing what are the documents what are the contracts that we yeah, should be exactly. considering so let's dive into that okay so
1: I think revenue generating is probably the most exciting one because that's <laughs> what probably the first thing when, you, when you're like, hey, I've actually got a business. I can't believe people are letting me drive this business. Uh, so if you're earning money and you're starting to um, have those conversations with clients, Obviously client contracts, I think are good. Um, Often people will just start off by putting kind of a package together that they might have on their website and then they'll agree something by email. So yes, that's a good start, but you might actually wanna start thinking about answering client questions within your contracts getting that scope really clear so that Mm. that way you don't get that scope creep. And then you're like, Oh, I don't know. Did I, was I not clear when I said it would only be like two rounds of revisions, I guess I'll do 10 revisions (laughs) for them. Um, And, and that also can, if you've got a product based business, then that could be, having um, returns policies and and starting to formalize gift certificate policies and things like that where you're starting to build out those legal documents so client contracts um, and often that includes getting a formal proposal scope of work project brief people have different names for similar documents Uh, looking at website terms looking at your product terms which is kind of how you describe the package on your website or in your checkout sequence it can also be your checkout sequence Uh, also website terms when you've got your website it will depend on whether or not you're selling things from your website on the different you know if you've just got a pretty basic website with nothing really to buy or do on there that's different than if you're selling digital downloads or selling products Mm. um, from your website and the terms that might be different other things to think about would be if you start to get more advanced in your business and you've got some content that you're wanting to license, uh, say, for example, if someone wants to have you speak at a conference or if someone wants to um, take some of the, and take some of that content and then repurpose it somewhere else, there's lots of different ways that you might be thinking about revenue generation there. And of course... If you want to sell your business, that can re- generate revenue as well, which is maybe down the track a bit more advanced, but it's something that I'm seeing cropping up a little bit more. Uh, where th- it's quite a process to go through if you're wanting to sell your business. There's some statutory, like legal requirements that you have to have and disclosures you have to make. Mm-hmm. So if that's kind of if you're like maybe I want to sell my business in six to twelve months, then you can start thinking about getting your house in order. It's almost like selling your house, right? You've got to clean everything up and like, make it look nice. And <laughs> and you've got to disclose any of the things in the foundations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. I mean, just around client contracts. I mean, I yeah. think, you know, especially if you're a web, des- web developer, copywriter, designer, all of those, anything where you're doing a done for you product, then that definitely comes into play. And it's, I think it just kind of makes, it look a bit more professional as well. When you're, you know, when you're being onboarded by somebody and they've got those documents that are clear and, you know, uh, help you to understand what each person is agreeing to and all of that sort of thing. So I do think that it does lend itself to having that kind of professional look and feel about it too. Yeah, exactly. Especially if the clients have booked
1: in with you and then the service doesn't happen for a little while. And then they're kind of, they're like, I don't know, like I've got an email, what's going to happen? Um, do I own the intellectual property in this? Do they own it? What's going on? So there's lots of questions that clients often will have uh, that you can answer in contracts that you can, you know, if you word them nice and easy to read. Uh, so, yeah, I think they're a really powerful way to show your clients that you that you care and that you understand what they're looking for in contracts and that, that your values in your business is reflected in that relationship, that they'll have the formal relationship.
0: Yeah, I think the interesting and interesting one as well, Verity, because we do work in a global market now. So majority of my clients are Australian and we've got Australian, obviously got contracts that were drawn up here, but working with international clients, I found that really interesting. So I'm part of a program in the US where there's Mm -hmm. no refunds. So yep. like, like, cause that's, that's how it is. Whereas in Australia, you have to have sort of a refund policy um, around, yeah. around, you know, whatever it is, your programs, et cetera. So I just find that a really interesting one around international agreements and how that works.
1: Yeah. And I think you can pick, you know, it's kind of a bit of a technical thing when you've got an agreement, you can Um, specify what the governing law is or the jurisdiction. So you would often see um victoria as the governing law if you're based in victoria and that's kind of the laws that you want to apply uh so if you uh you're you're providing services to someone else overseas then you're still saying that the law that applies is in, in victoria so yeah we've got we're pretty i mean in lots of ways we're very lucky in australia because we do have lots of consumer protections that also apply to small businesses that's kind of what you're alluding to with the mm. No so refunds. Um, kind of, if you see a no refund sign, it's technically um, not allowed because there's always the opportunity to refund if a product or service doesn't meet those statutory guarantees, the legal guarantees of the consumer guarantees in the Australian consumer law. So yeah, it even is if interesting it's
0: an overseas product and their contracts are in their
1: for if so, if, you're, if it's um a, say, an, say American an American American service. Company selling over yeah. here yeah. and they're that they, but they would probably say their governing law is you know yeah. Delaware or yeah. wherever they're wherever incorporated <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and so obviously that's so that that's... wouldn't
1: necessarily apply here I mean it's a bit tricky to try <laughs> to try and cover every situation yeah. but you know I've I've I mean I I do like I mean I might be um a lawyer. So I do like writing those angry letters every now and then Ah. they've got like a better business authority. You can try, it's similar to our, um, a triple C, the Australian Competition Consumer Authority. So they've got a few different, uh, commissions, sorry. They've got a few different ways that you can approach things, but yeah, if you, yeah, most of that's fine. (laughs) I don't want to refund. I just thought it
0: was really interesting that it was very overt that that's like, uh, basically when you sign the contract and you commit to it you're all in like we don't yeah. we don't accept refunds which is interesting because obviously in Australia here we do and it was a discussion that we had where it depends yeah. on where you are. But I guess my point is when you are dealing with international companies or, mm. you know, products, really important to read the terms and make sure yes. that you don't assume that just because 100%. we do things a certain way here in Australia, that that's how it works overseas. And so exactly. that was that was a surprise to me um, and it was a very overt conversation. But I was also like, well, I'm aware of that. In signing mm. this contract. So yeah. I think it's just important when we, when we work in a global market for us as consumers, as well as business owners, just to be diligent with those things.
1: And it's also important. So for people who might be just starting out and they're like, oh, that person in America does the same services as me. I'm just going to copy and paste their mm-hmm. terms and conditions, <laughs> or I've got, um, kajabi or shopify and that comes with a privacy policy with it in it but those policies are to protect shopify and Mm. um, kajabi it's not aimed at protecting your business it's not it's not aimed at australian legal requirements so um just being careful if you're taking inspiration from other people's or other businesses terms and conditions i've seen people say that they'll comply with the california privacy act and that they'll comply with gdpr and that they've i've even seen people who haven't bothered to change the abn or the business number of the business that they've copied these terms from (laughs) Um, so yeah it's uh there's some lazy copying. Wow. (laughs) Um, Definitely. So it's always good to get those things double checked uh, to to make sure you understand the impact of what you're putting out there as your agreement.
0: Yeah, for sure. All good. Okay, great. So that was revenue generation docs that we need to think about. What about marketing?
1: Marketing. Now, I've spent a lot of time reviewing a lot of marketing. I've looked at a lot of ads over the time. <laughs> so when it comes to marketing, uh, there's there's kind of the legal documents, but it's also really about the way you present. So there's, yes, there's the contract side of things, but it's also about making sure you're not being tricky in your marketing, you can be clever, but you can't be misleading. You can't kind of have one, you know, free. And then actually it's not really free. Like, so you've got to just make sure that you're being, you know, be true to your integrity mm. and, and make sure that you, hopefully you've got integrity. I'm sure, I'm sure all your <laughs> listeners do. <laughs> be, be Be clear and transparent with your clients because it's never, it's never a good look anyway. But um, so when it comes to marketing and sales, things like, um, you know, getting your mailing list set up, Uh, whether you meet the small business exemption from the Privacy Act in Australia, it's always great to have a privacy policy so that it's really clear on how you will manage that information so that you're aware, so that your clients are aware and just so that you're across kind of handling people's personal information. I think it's really good. I've been told that it's also quite good for SEO as well to have a privacy policy on your website. So if that, if the actual legal side of things or well, doesn't doesn't help, <laughs> the SEO side of things is always good. Yeah. Um, I've kind of touched on advertising and marketing, and having clear disclaimers. So that might be if the if you are offering, you know, a money, you know, fourteen day trial guarantee, making it really clear what the requirements are for for clients to be able to claim that guarantee. And then sticking to it uh, if you're doing for marketing if you've got sales pages or uh, making sure that the promotional terms are really clear uh, and you know you might have some in your head get someone else who doesn't know the promotion to double check it to make sure it makes sense and see if there's anything that they're like oh but can I do this and still win or can I do that and kind of just, I think that's, a. Uh, I mean, it's not necessarily a legal thing, but just double checking that it makes yeah. sense is always handy um, and it's not misleading. And then I know that there's a lot of, you know, collaboration is the new kind of buzzword, I suppose. It's not that new anymore. But um, affiliate uh, links and sponsorship and collaboration, um, there's obviously a lot of social media requirements with under the social media mm. Advertising and influencer code—that's um, that's come up in the last couple of years. So making sure you're clear when, if you've got, if you're doing a promotion, that it's a promotion. Uh, the requirements—if you're working with an influencer, influencer, or if you're an influencer, what is it that you need to deliver? What are, what's the copyright arrangements? What's the intellectual property arrangements? Um, you know, is there a posting schedule? Is it critical? Is time critical in terms of getting something out to meet up with a campaign and just getting all those those kind of details clear of, of how you'll manage that marketing campaign. So those are kind of the marketing y things.
0: The Yeah, products. and obviously just on like it's so important, especially if you are doing any posts on social media and that to understand all their terms because obviously you have to say that it's a paid partnership and like there's other things that you have to do. So I think that, yeah, it's, it's just important if that's what something you want to do to really make yourself aware Mm. of, of what your requirements are as well, just so that you don't get yourself into trouble.
1: And often those, depending on if you, if, if affiliates are, is what you're doing and that's kind of a large part of your business then that's when you might want to get advice like formal advice and develop your own version whereas if it's just a tiny little part Mm. of your business you just want to make sure you're clearly disclosing it and maybe you can just get a, a DIY template so it's kind of looking at what kind of um how big will this promotion be so if you're paying for if you've got a huge digital spend or if you're going to put an ad in a newspaper or whatever I don't know if people put ads in newspapers anymore, <laughs> but if, you know if you're going to have a big spend on something yeah. then you're going to want to just get it double checked and think yeah. about it whereas if it's just a you know just a once-off yeah. post that you can delete um doesn't necessarily mean that you you're not potentially going to have some issues with it but it just means that it's less of a risk so you're just kind of weighing up the the level of advice that you might need given the situation.
0: Yeah yeah for sure and I do think it's really interesting because even it's kind of like I feel like legals and insurance and accounting like they kind of fit really well so yeah even even for me <laughs> all like, the cool know, kids right <laughs> all the cool kids everybody wants to sit with you guys yeah um, <laughs> they'll be stoked. Stoked to sit with you. Uh, but yeah, even like insurance as well. So for me, you know, yeah. I've got professional um professional indemnity and liability and all the rest of it. And so just understanding how that all fits together too. So with your contracts and your insurance yes. and your terms and conditions, 100%. I do think I do think if, you know, especially if you have been in business for a little while, it is really important just to have the conversation so that you are knowledgeable about mm. what you need and what you don't. And even if you have the conversation and the conversation turns out actually you're fine. Like you don't really need it where you're at or for what you do, then at least you did the check and you yes. and you know rather than not knowing. That's so right. I think that's important. Yeah, definitely. Definitely important to do those checks. Which leads us perfectly into legal admin. It does. I know. Yeah. And I wasn't even planning that. It just flowed. It did it well. well. Yeah.
1: Uh, So in terms of legal admin, um, you've touched on a great one. Mm. Insurance is really important uh, to think about. If you've got, and and often there's a couple of different types, professional indemnity insurance is more service-based business, delivering services, public and product liability is more if you've got physical products or you have a store or you're running events where people mm. are coming to. Uh, so those are kind of the, the key differences and finding, you know, what you need that suits where you're at. Um, obviously, it's something that you buy that you hope you never have to use. That's yeah. what, like insurance is one of those things, but all, always important to have a look at. Then I like to... Uh, kind of run through those naming things so you've got your business name you register your business name that you know that you are legally required to register if you're trading in a different name other than your own Uh, from there that doesn't actually give you the ownership right in that business name you need the trademark to have a proprietary like an ownership right in your business name and trademarks are you know often pretty straightforward. They just need to be distinctive. You can do a check to see. So before you go, you know, order the website and like get all your custom custom mugs made up, <laughs> um, make sure that you have got, you own that trademark, you own that name. Uh, and also uh, domain names, really important. Often it's probably the first thing that people will do is, is lock in at least one domain name. There's lots of changes kind of coming in that space all the time. The one that's out at the moment is that we've got, you know, we've had the .com.au domain name for a while. They've now got just a .au domain name. So if you have the .com.au domain name, you've got like a priority ticket to register the .au name that run that priority ticket runs out in on the 20th of September 2022 so if you haven't already if you've got a au and you don't have the .au get onto it because otherwise it means someone else can register the .au okay
0: and Very they'll
1: good. pull it out from under your tootsies
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so do you think do you think that it's important to own all of those domains
1: I mean I I think so because I, and maybe I'm a control freak but the the idea of someone else having checklistlegal.net.au really irritates me I don't want so I've got a bunch of domain names I don't think they're that expensive I mean not not for checklist legal and they all point back to checklistlegal.com so I've got the .au I've got the .com.au um I don't it's almost like I'm a bit of a hoarder when it comes to domain names if I have an idea I'll register the domain name (laughs) and it'll just they just all point back to checklistlegal.com or createcontractsclientslove.com and you know that's I just think it's um it's a relatively cheap way to Kind of stake out your little space yeah, of so, the internet.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting because I've got the .coms of all of my, like my book, my podcast, yep. um, my trading name, as well as Suze Chadwick or the rest yep. of it. Um, so yeah, so it's interesting. I've only focused really more on the .com.
1: And and I think for a lot of businesses that are global. Mm. They might be like, oh, maybe I I don't need the .com .au, I don't need .melbourne or anything like that. There's um, so
0: many now. There's like There's so many .biz.org.net. which is kind of annoying,
1: right? If you got the yours first, you're like, oh, now I have to like think about .melbourne and .whatever. So mm. um, yeah, it it's. I mean, it's good from a because there's so many websites, right? It's the same as license plates. How they had to start? Did they like start putting a number somewhere where there wasn't a number before? Um, so because they were must've been running out. Uh, Mm. So yeah, I think it's, it's good to be able to differentiate yourself and, and say like, if you are local, if I'm Suze Chadwick, Melbourne, (laughs) dot Mm. Melbourne, then um, you can differentiate yourself that way. So it's important, probably more important if you're local, 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 but I like it because I don't want anyone else to have that basically anywhere, (laughs) anywhere in Australia. So maybe
0: not, maybe not all 20 dot whatever's, but maybe like three or four of the main ones.
1: Yeah, get the main ones. I mean, you don't have to go to town. Again, it's about, um, like, I'm imagining that Nike has got every single one. Uh, sure. You know what I mean? Kester Black has probably got every single one. These kind of brands that are getting bigger and bigger uh, would be covering it Um, mm. and the but there's and there's probably other people who are domain squatting who have got it and waiting to get it bought off them. But um, yeah, it's it's kind of what you feel comfortable with. Don't 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 get too stressed if you don't have it all. But yeah, it's just I think it's just a nice way to cover it.
0: Yeah, very good. I love it. Okay, cool. What else are we doing in legal admin?
1: Legal admin. So yes. We've done our business names, we've got our domain names, we've got our trademarks, and uh, we've talked about insurance. I think those are the main ones to think through. But then things like um, if you don't have an accountant or a bookkeeper, uh, it's one of the best things that i ever... I've, I mean, I've never really done too much of my own accounting. I look over it and I understand the yeah, numbers. No, but I've I think getting, getting that advice or getting someone to help you um, as you start earning more, as you start having to do GST, Yes, you technically probably could do it yourself. Do you have to? Is it better to kind of outsource that? So they can also hopefully give you lots of tips and ideas around different things that are going on. There's a grant, there's always grants on at the moment as well. So your financial um, advisors can really help you with that and getting all of that sorted out so that you don't trip yourself up and end up in trouble down the track. Um, And then in terms of systems, this kind of admin of cybersecurity, starting to think about if you're handling a lot of customer information, uh, if you're working with particularly sensitive information, then more and more businesses are getting targeted, especially if you're a brand-led business, if you put yourself out there as the CEO um, and you've got your Email address publicly available. There's lots of um, potential risks with that. So having some systems both internally, having um, physical, actual, you know, thinking about it it being secure. I have a privacy. You can't see. I don't know if you'll be able to see this. I have a privacy screen on my laptop screen. That just means that only, you can only see what I'm looking at, you know, if anyone's straight ahead, you know, looking at straight on from the side, you can't see it. Just little things that you (laughs) might want to think about protecting information. Not, you know, if you're working at a coffee shop, not. Talking about client things really loudly, yeah. um, not leaving things lying around, and um, changing your passwords, LastPass, password manager, all of yeah. those kind of technical things that may be a bit boring on the admin, boring,
0: but they're but anyway. important, aren't important. they? Like I just That's think, funny. yeah, and I do like LastPass, which is a yeah, yeah, password management system that I've only I was using something else before, and I've just started using them a while ago, like this year. Um, but even like they flag when you've got the same password. Yes. <laughs> and I'm yeah, like, it's like Whoops. danger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's good to have something. I just it does, especially when our whole business for a lot of us is all online. Yeah. I just think it's so important for us to protect ourselves, like and to make sure that we're We've got what we need in place to, yeah, protect us, protect our customers. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think it's it's not something that should be an afterthought.
1: Yes, and it's especially as you start to grow, if you have in team members, employees, contractors, um, there's lots of scams where people will send, say, hey, I've just changed my bank account details. Can mm. you pay to this now? Uh, and if you don't have a process in place with your Accounts team, or if that's you as your accounts team on Fridays, um, then you know, double checking those things, calling people up—is this the right thing? You know, the it can be quite tricky. Don't don't think that it only happens to like big businesses; mm. it's happening more and more to smaller businesses. So, not to freak anyone out, but just to be aware of it and kind of um, think about the different processes that you can have in place.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just thinking—I've got somebody who's created a fake account. Um, and copied everything from me on Instagram and then is messaging oh, yes. and then is messaging my followers as me, but so is, it's a different name. It's got like, yeah, a couple of extra K's and C's yep. in the surname about cryptocurrency. Wow. And I'm like, Oh, it's just so annoying. I mean That honestly, is so you, Suze. You're always on about crypto. I feel really bad. I get people that message me and they're like, I was so excited that you were messaging me. And then you started asking me about cryptocurrency <laughs> and I figured it wasn't you. And I'm like, I'm yes. so sorry. That's so And it's gross. it's
1: really hard because all you can do is tell, you know, that you can tell. Your yeah. you know, friends and followers to report it, yeah. block them, and do all of that, but it's um it's frustrating. I don't know if they'll come up with a better way to help with that, or it must be working because I guess they keep doing it.
0: Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, P.S. If you get a message from me about cryptocurrency, it's not me. Can you go on? Yeah. If
1: form? you get one from me, it's definitely me. You know, <laughs> I'm a real I'm a real
0: crypto crypto bruz.
1: no I'm definitely not I wish I was that cool yeah Um, yeah.
0: cool all right so what else do we need there's two other things that we're going to go through what uh what's the next one yes so
1: if we start thinking about, you know, we've got our marketing is going well, we've got our revenue coming in, we've got our basic legal admin sorted. So we might start thinking about kind of that growing of the business and what we might do as we start to kind of scale. And that's when you might have a look at we, you know, we've touched on, like, do you have an exit strategy? What are you building this business for? What are you kind of getting? What do you, well, what's the end game here? It's okay if you don't have it figured out yet, but if you are thinking about an exit strategy or if you've started to build the business and you've done that, especially with a co-founder or a partner and you don't have anything written down on what that relationship is, that's when you might want to talk, um, turn to more things like foundation structural documents, shareholders agreement, partnership agreement, uh, company constitution, looking at your employment agreements. If you have started hiring people or if you just got them on board with like an email and a high five and then they just started working away and you started paying them, looking at employment agreements and getting those set up. Uh, So there's lots of those structural kind of team-based documents as you start to grow that can be important to just turn your mind to The earlier you get onto those, the better because uh, they can cause a few problems if you haven't looked into them down the track. I've heard some, I'm sure you've heard some too, Suze, of co-founder problems um, that potentially could have been resolved Mm. with some stuff up front uh, and
0: yeah yeah for sure yeah and even uh you know even having a VA and those sorts of things I think it's really important one of the things I remember in the early days and I can't remember how it came about but it was basically like does my VA have uh cyber like insurance basically Mm. because if they have got access to all of my stuff and then they get hacked so it was really so it's even looking at the people that you work with, do they have the things in place to protect you? Yes,
1: 100%. It kind of moves us to our next bucket of supplier docs.
0: Oh, there you go. Which, <laughs>
1: is, which is kind of those contractor arrangements. So you might end up, you know, when you first start out and if you do, are hiring a VA, you just, I don't know, maybe you sign it without reading it. <laughs> you might have a bit of a read or you might get referral and think like everything's fine. They're a big business. But uh, yeah, having a look and understanding it, um, if you're big enough, and you feel confident enough in what you want from your business, then you might want to have your own contractor arrangement mm-hmm. so that even if the VA has their own agreement, you say, well, I would like you to sign mine and here's the scope of work and this has got the risk profile that I'm comfortable with. It means that I know I own all the copyright. I know you know, how I can end the relationship and, and you kind of understand the different bits and pieces in there. Um, for the people that you work with 100%, I'm always um, have been quite jealously guarded and of my clients. I don't really want anyone to have access to the client-based material, whereas I'll open up the kimono one, like headshots of Verity, like, sure, I don't really, like, what's the worst you can kind of do with that? So if you've got segmenting off, don't just open up the whole share yeah. drive to people. Make sure it's quite clear. Last pass, as we, as we talked about, Um only sharing with LastPass, only so that they I mean it makes things a bit clunky sometimes but at least it's not um, mm. just emailing them passwords backwards and forwards so yeah you might want to think about at least reading the contractors agreements that come across your desk getting your own setup having a look at if you're dealing a lot with graphic designers with uh, copywriters or with you know specific that kind of copyright element of artistic works or or anything like that um, getting a copyright assignment agreement in there if you're Buying things from people and you want to be able to use it in your business or own it if you know for example if you wanted to make this amazing podcast into an uh, audio book and and re-license it and work it then you'd need some you know want some assurances from me that I'm not going to chase you down later um, confidentiality agreements and non-disclosure agreements can be really good if you're working with larger corporate clients or even talking about a preemptive collaboration agreement the classic example of that is um, Mark Zuckerberg and the the twins. I always forget their names. That the, the Facebook. Oh yes, the twins. Yes, There's something about. the W twins. Anyway,
0: yeah, Winkle. Yeah, say Winkle. Winkle Something. yeah, something like, like that.
1: that. So they had the idea of Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg did the coding and the work of it, but there was no agreement in place. There was no confidentiality agreement in place. No scope of works in place. No independent contractor agreement in place. No copyright assignment. All of this stuff. So, uh, so yeah. If you don't have those agreements in place, if it's just a handshake and a smile, then um, then you could lose Facebook.
0: Basically, <laughs> <laughs> don't lose Facebook. Yeah, and so, yeah. I also think that it's you know it is worth thinking about because it can feel like, oh, so exciting. Let's do something yes. together. Let's go into collaboration and all the rest of it. Um, and, you know, I've had people that have asked to do certain projects, hmm. but I've just thought it, that, it can get a bit complicated when yes. you do that and I don't really want to go down that path. So for me, I'll do the project and then I'll invite them in as a speaker or this or that yes. and pay them for that so that I don't have to go into the, well, who gets what and how does it work and all of that sort of thing. But if you are going to do something with somebody else, then it's so worth from the beginning being really clear. Cause I think that in the excitement of doing things like a lot of important detail can get lost.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, I mean, just, I'm not saying like, oh my gosh, you need to like hire a lawyer immediately yeah. for coming company. Like a hundred page
0: one. contract. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. It can often just be having the discussions, sketching out the dot points and just, you know, what's that old, um, the old five, five W's of who, what, where, when, oh, how, yeah. like those kind of approach of what, what the actual thing is and and making it clear on what, how you'll be collaborating, who's going to pay for what, is it okay mm. if I buy this thing, will we split the costs and and kind of some of those fun, you know, going back to share house days of how <laughs> you're going to divide everything and, and um, yeah, and reading contracts, I think. Yeah. Just having, having a little bit of a think about things like that.
0: So a question on reading contracts, if you get a contract and you don't yes. understand it, what do you do? Don't
1: panic. Do not panic. <laughs>
0: Okay. Contracts.
1: So a lot of contracts are ridiculous, and even lawyers don't understand them. So that's probably something. Lawyers um, don't. Lot, lots of lawyers don't like reading contracts. They're often not intended to be read or understood by anyone. Um, in lots of ways, like that's often how they're written. They're written with someone who's kind of sitting there and and is trying to be vague or they're trying to cover as many circumstances as possible. So if you don't understand it, first of all, don't panic, don't feel bad, you're not stupid, the contract is stupid, so don't stress about it. (laughs) If you can't understand it, then that just means just ask a question, you know, kind of make notes out about it. And then you can also, the flip side of that is before you start reading the contract, you might have sketched out some dot points of, well, what are my kind of questions about this relationship? What am, I, what, what am I want kind of wanting to find out by reading this document? And often it will be those who, what, where, when, how, um, and it will be how much is it going to cost? Uh, can I get out of this if I need to or want to? Um, what am I actually buying or what am I going to be getting? Uh, what do I have to deliver? And so it's those key things that you look for uh whether or not you just make notes there's nothing wrong with asking people hey i didn't understand this bit this bit and this bit can you explain that to me uh and just pointing out to people this bit doesn't make sense to me you're not stupid the contract is stupid
0: stupid. yeah i love it Yeah. I think that's like the big takeaway from today. You're not stupid. The contract is stupid. That's right. But it doesn't have
1: to be. It doesn't have to be stupid. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. So good. Uh, And so I think that we've covered so much and I wanted this to be, (laughs) I know, I I wanted it to be really practical because I think sometimes when we feel that something is hard Mm. and difficult to understand, we stay away from it. Yes. But it's really important for us to have some knowledge so that we can make informed decisions and ask great questions so that we can understand these things more. It's such,
1: I don't know, I just feel like it's such a flex if you can be like, I've read this contract and here's the things I didn't like about it. Like, I think it's really powerful as a business owner. If you, I've just seen it with my clients, how confident they are. You can make decisions faster, your team can make decisions faster because they know the answers or your clients, there's questions that don't even Mm -hmm. get asked because it's in the contract. Your contracts can have the kind of a little bit more of a bossy, mean voice than what you do. And you can always be nicer than your contracts if you want. So like there's lots that, that knowing and understanding these legal things can really help you in your business. So yeah, I would definitely encourage people to kind of shift that mindset of like legal's yuck or you know, businessy things, yuck, it's actually can be a a real power play.
0: Mm, yeah. And I even referred to a contract yesterday because I was like, oh, what did we say in that? Um, and so I think just, just having that, you know, one source of truth mm. that everybody agreed to, where you can go kind of go back and go, oh, yep. Okay, cool. Like I remember that because yeah you know, we we do things like a year ago yes. and then can't really remember exactly what the agreement was so I think just having that organised in your business as well like knowing where to find those agreements and yeah you know, I'm kind of one for a, a, a bit of an organised Dropbox where yeah. you know I've got all of my, either my legals and my insurance and my branding and all of that, so that I know where to go when mm. I need to find that information is also really important just to having, having that organized as well. Yeah.
1: That's a great point. Yeah. You've got to be able to you sign the contract and you've got to be able to find it, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. What I've actually got, I've actually got a folder as well where uh, like, that's where all legal contracts go nice. as well. So that like, I've got the emails that, that came with the contract and then the, contract is downloaded and saved to a legal's folder very
1: as well. good.
0: I know. I like to be organized very good. That's good. I love that. Because otherwise I'm like where was that thing? What was yes. it called? How do I find it? So yeah. I've probably learned from losing something to do yeah. that to be
1: honest. <laughs> yeah. I love, you know, it. I love that. I think it's such a good approach and I think um you know if you're setting up your own contracts having the the key deliverables on your sales page, if that goes into your proposal or into your contract and then on your invoice and you just know that it's all the same all the way through, there's no kind of, no, that's that's clearly what it was. That's what you've got. So yeah.
0: Yeah. And just using the tech that's available. So we use, I think we use HelloSign, but once again, just it's not expensive to use all of our contracts sit in the one place. We've got our templates. Like once again, this can be easy. It doesn't have to be yes a difficult thing as well. Like no,
1: that's right. And yeah. often it's just a little bit with like most of these, it's just a little bit of setup. Yeah. And then you kind of got it until the next tweak you want to make to your business and little little adjustments.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So good. Verity, thank you so much. I think that you made it really like applicable and really easy to understand. And so I know that I've got lots of service and product-based businesses, small SMEs, sometimes even corporates that listen um, yep. every now and again. So where is the best place to find you uh, either on socials and obviously website, we'll have all of your links in the show notes too, but for those walking the dog, how can they yeah. find you?
1: Checklist Legal on Instagram. You can find me uh, Verity White on LinkedIn. If you're a LinkedIner, um, pretty much if you just anything with Verity and contracts will probably come up with me <laughs> if you're just Googling. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would love to. Yeah, definitely reach out. I always always up for a chat. Um, especially about contracts.
0: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't think I know many people that are like, get as excited about contracts as you do. So yeah, if you are looking for some help, then definitely connect with Verity. Uh, I think that you make it easy to understand.
1: Oh, thanks, Sue. That's what, that's the aim, right? That's kind of the business aim. And that's what we built the B Corp certification is yeah. all around, all around empowering empowering women in business and the law to have a great impact from and kind of being confident in their contracts.
0: Yeah, I love it. You should just have the line making contracts easier to understand.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's all. With, I know. I need. To, I know. I need to work on it. So I've got to, I've got to work on it.
0: <laughs> love it. I love it. So good. Well, thanks so much, Verity. Um, and yeah, so appreciate your time today. Thank you, Suze. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Well, that's it for another week. It has been amazing to have you here as always. And remember to follow me on all socials at Suze Chadwick. But thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then I would love you to leave a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with us every week. Until next time, have an awesome week and make sure you keep playing big and branding bold.